Please be seated. I'm just getting a little taste of what it feels like to be Martha and Tim having to preach twice in one day. <laughs> yes. I am so delighted to be here today, and thank you, Martha, for inviting me. I've had a wonderful time thus far with the, your All Saints family, and it's a great delight. I've not had this experience before, and I love first experiences. As an old woman, I'm 70 now, so every time I do something new, I'm excited about that because it's, you know, it's kind of a, a way to kind of keep being enlivened as I go forward. And I think life's just going to get better instead of worrying about that I'm getting older, you know. So so we have this wonderful word from Jesus. And Jesus is always prompting us to pay attention to things that seem so simple, but when we really start looking at it and, and reflecting on it, it's way deeper than we think. So this gospel that's talking about a dinner party I hardly think that Jesus is just talking about a dinner party. I think Jesus wants us to be paying attention to something deeper, and I want to share about that. I, want, I think the, the notion of community and who's in your community, who's in your, not your outer community, but who's in your inner community, is a, is a notion that I want you to ponder with me for a few minutes This notion of being many selves, a notion that sometimes we have a lot of trouble connecting to because mostly people don't talk about this kind of stuff. And we think that we are just who we see ourselves to be looking in the mirror. Well, the ego has this great investment in keeping us in that space and keeping us in a place where we don't ask, well, who else is here? You know, so... This notion of who you invite to your party and how you behave when you go to a party, a lot of it has to do with how we've been socialized. You know, you were born into a family, you were raised in a community, you had certain kinds of experiences that taught you certain kinds of things. Many people were taught the notion that they should be exalted, that they should have always go to the to the highest table go to the best seat and not because that's just how they've always things have always worked for them i grew up in a house where that was not what i was taught i grew up in a house with an illiterate father and a mother who graduated from college the same year that i graduated from high school and i watched my mother take extension courses and correspondence courses and go hither and yon to get an education because it was difficult for a black woman to get a college education. So I learned from watching my father, who was a sharecropper, who would come home at the end of the settling up time after you weighed all the cotton and figured out who was going to get what. And he never got any money. He was always back in debt with the person who owned the land. And I watched my father experience what it was like to be this person that could never quite get ahead. And so they sent me great messages about, you need to stay, you know, you're on the margin here and you need to kind of not, don't stand up too tall, don't be too powerful, don't, don't assume things. So it would make me not ever think that I could go to the, to the exalted place. So for me, 
the lesson would be that I need to learn how to be invited to another place. For the person who's always thinking that they should have the higher place, the lesson would be you need to wait a minute. You need to stand back a minute. Now, these, these ideas are just percolating around in your head, in our heads, as we go about our daily life. These are these things we've learned as children, these messages that have been sent to us. And it has a lot to do with the way we see people. So it's our, it's the inner community. And the inner community is real. And if you haven't thought about this before, let me encourage you to continue in this process of thinking about it as time goes along. It's very real. You can pay attention to the ways in which you make up stories about people. When was the last time you saw somebody driving a certain kind of car or wearing a certain kind of clothes and you had some opinion about them? You made up a story in your head about what they might be like. Have you ever done that? If you've done that, you're doing what's called projection. You are talking about yourself because you don't know anything about that person. And we all do it. It's a psychological principle. It's a dynamic. It's not something we can get away from. But what we can do is know who those people are that live inside of us. We can be conscious. We can know when we are projecting. We can know when we're making up a story. We can get to be conversant with our inner community. So when we then become conversant with that community, it begins to impact the ways in which we go about doing our lives. So if you are in, in concert, in conversation with the parts of yourself that might not feel just quite like they're totally integrated into your personality, when you see somebody outside of yourself that's kind of not functioning at the level that you think they ought to be, you don't have the desire to have to beat them down because you are aware of your own weaknesses and you don't have to project your stuff onto them. So I think this notion of inviting the cripple and the blind and the lame, we could ask ourselves, how are we crippled? How are we blind? How are we poor? And pay attention to those answers and so then when we encounter those people on the outside of ourselves, we can have more compassion because we have dealt with our own thing inside of ourselves. You know, I'm compressing like 40 years of study here into 15 minutes. So somebody somewhere is turning over in their grave that I'm telling you this stuff so fast. But it is absolutely necessary for Christians to be able to realize, to be awake and to know who they are so we don't go around just projecting on the people and making up stories and living as if those stories are the truth and then and creating worlds where people have to live in ways that they shouldn't have to live because we have not been able to set our own selves free. So there is a message here in this gospel about having this inner humility, about having a right relationship with the ego, about being somebody who knows who you are. So when you go to the dinner party, when you go wherever, you can just, you can stand back because your sense of yourself is not dependent upon somebody having to, on your having to be at the top of the heap. Your sense of yourself is rooted in something deeper. So my question then is, 
who is in our inner community? Who is at the banquet table in our hearts? When we set that table, when we invite people in, how do we do that? We can run around and scurry around and do a lot of stuff and think we're doing well. And, you know, people do a lot of good for people that they don't like. People do a lot of good for people that they don't want to be with. You know, do you want to be with the poor? How do you get to that point? You get to the point that you're comfortable with your own poverty. And then other people's poverty is not frightening. You get to the point that you can communicate with people without, outside of the code systems that we've set up. You know, we've set up a bunch of, we, we've got a bunch of language where we talk to each other. We know how, we know what we mean. We have, you know, uh, priests have their logo. Academics have their logo. Lawyers, doctors, all these people. But Jesus has this, this um, ability to dissolve all of those kinds of constructs that we've set up to keep some people in and some people out. As I said earlier today, my mother used to tell me, well, if you think you're so smart, Miss PhD, you ought to be able to talk to anybody. If you're that smart, you know, you can't be too smart to talk to somebody because if you're too smart to talk to them, maybe you're not as smart as you think you are. And part of, the, part of that comes from not only uh, realizing that we're caught in these code systems, but also being unclear about who lives inside of us. So I feel evangelistic about telling people, wake up and see who is in your inner community. Because who is in your inner community is having a lot to do with the way the outer community is functioning. We go through life projecting. We go through life making up stuff. We go through life dealing with people on the basis of what we have decided we're going to find rather than being open to what the Holy Spirit might be doing. So Jesus is, is really asking in this gospel for us to be more conscious, to wake up, to don't get caught, to not get caught in just doing for the folks that help keep your code intact. Don't just invite your cousins and your nieces and nephews and your business partners and people who look like you who can then invite you back. Put yourself outside of that zone of comfort and make sure that you Allow yourself to become a more whole person, a more integrated person, a person who walks through the world able to really and truly see the face of God in everybody. We say so many things in the Christian world that we don't believe for a minute. And one of them is that we think God is in everybody. And we don't believe it. If we really believed it, the ways in which we deal with each other in this country, on this planet, in this city, would be significantly different. So until we believe it, we ought to quit saying it. And we can believe it better when we start understanding our own, the pieces of ourselves. When I start knowing who I really am, and then I see somebody who causes me a conflict, I can pay attention to what's happening to me 
rather than making them responsible. And I just want to give you a couple of last clues. One is, one of the ways you get to know a lot about who's in your inner community is to pay attention to the people who drive you nuts. You know, and particularly if they keep showing up. You know, I mean, you can, it can be a fluke that you met them once, but when you've met the same kind of person five times, you need to say, wait a minute, there's something about me that I need to start dealing with here. Because, you know, the Holy Spirit is good about giving us our lessons and we need to kind of pay attention to them. The other thing I would encourage you to do is to create spaces in your life where there can be silence and solitude. To create spaces where you can actually listen to yourself. Turn off the news, turn off the television, turn off the radio, turn off the cell phone, turn off the computer, and listen for the still, small voice of God that's speaking, trying to speak in the midst of the noise to get us to see, to see ourselves, to see ourselves, and to see how we make up other people on the basis of ourselves rather than letting them be whoever it is they happen to be. So my great desire as this person who who understands some of this is that I will walk through the earth in a way that allows God's grace and power to be exemplified because I have paid attention to my own shadow side, my own inner community, my own propensity to want to let other people be responsible for what I need to take responsibility for. My prayer would be for every one of you in this room that we have we would have the courage that we would that that we would have the courage to look at ourselves and honestly assess what we see. Not in a bad way, you know. It's not like you try. I'm, we don't need anybody helping us to feel bad. We can do that good enough by ourselves. What we need to know is that God sees us, and we're all right. And and because God sees us, we can look at ourselves. We can trust. That's the great thing about being able to gather on Sunday mornings and reaffirm who we are because of who we are we can stand to look at the truth. The truth will not kill us. The truth will, in fact, set us free. The truth about who we are as individuals and who we are collectively. So, you know, think about what are the banquets that you're going to be hosting in your hearts. What banquet this week are you going to host in your heart? And who will you invite? Who will you invite into your heart? My mentor and friend who's now dead, Howard Thurman, says that we have to always keep our hearts open so that people can come and go. We need to have our hearts be this door that's always willing to open and open and open again to let in people. So as you reflect on this gospel during the week and think about this banquet, Think about the banquet in your inner community and think about who's invited to be there. And may God give you the courage to enlarge the table, to let the table be inclusive of those who maybe haven't been able to find space in your heart 
because you haven't been able to find space for those parts of yourself that need to also be invited. God bless you. Amen.